powered by Sports Interaction, Canada's Sportsbook. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Game Over Winnipeg. My name is Brady. I am joined by my fantastic co-host, Liz, as always. And we have a phenomenal guest again tonight, Murad Atesh of The Athletic. Murad, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing so well, Brady. I, I'm happy to be here. I'm so chill. This is the writing vibe that, that's going to happen on a road game. I'm traveling for all the road games from here on out. So this is my last, like, we're just going to take it easy. we got sweats on. we got a laptop out. That's the business. Nice, nice. In in the classic work from home uh, fit, you know. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. yeah, we, you know, coming to you guys live uh, after, you know, a 4-2 game where the Jets lose to the Colorado Avalanche, where I don't think any of us are all that surprise considering uh the lineup that was in the game here today um but hey if you if you really had a uh, if you really thought the jets were going to win you could probably get some good money on a on a bet uh and if you wanted to do that get in on the action and make your bet with sports interaction every hit every shot every goal from all your favorite teams and players uh you know of course like the jets if you if you had actually Johnson Fialbi uh scoring a goal tonight I'm sure that paid out real well uh, with competitive odds, the best live in play and more ways than ever to get into the game. Like minute madness, our exclusive game with so many opportunities to win by the minute, download the app in Ontario, use the QR code at the bottom of the screen or head to sportsinteractioncom SDPN to get started. 19 plus please play responsibly. The, uh, there are uh, resources in the description. If you have any issues with playing responsibly uh, anyways, back to, uh, to the show here, back to the game. Uh, tonight, obviously the Jets ended up, you know, icing, not their A crew. Um, and you know, of course they do end up falling to a Colorado Avalanche team that is still in the hunt, still motivated to try and get as many points as possible in their remaining games. Murat, all I have to ask for you tonight, is there really anything that we should be taking away from this game as Jets fans, considering the loss, the players playing? I mean... Honestly, Brady, my my short answer is no, but because I can't, I, I can never just leave it at that. <laughs> um, so you could do the, okay, well, they made it through healthy. You know, as I understand it, Stenland's in good shape. There's no real worry there. And Mesnikov went hard into the boards, but he's fine too. Um, the other thing I would say, though, is just, you know, if you look at any playoff run of any meaningful length, you go well beyond the top 6D and the top 12 forwards. And for Winnipeg, you know, Rick Bonus has done a reasonably good job of working those guys in over the course of the year. Um, it, there was a joke for a little while that Winnipeg had nine, you know, fourth-line forwards uh, during the the injury times and all that sort of stuff. And I honestly think that it, it means something that they can step in and and acquit themselves well and feel like they have a piece of the of the team's record. So, in a tiny, tiny little way, I'm willing to at least say that that would be meaningful for the guys that got into the lineup. I uh, just out of curiosity. Um, so obviously a couple of guys that were in the lineup tonight that wouldn't be if all players were healthy. I won't say Sacramento Line because to me he's the one who slots out if Cole Perfetti becomes healthy. But as of right now, I'm sure he'll be in for game one. But uh Carson Kuhlman, Axel Janssen Fialbi, uh the two press box defenders and Capabianco and Stanley, um, a couple other ones. David Gustafson was in there. Of any of those guys, who do you think is the first player that we see jump in in round one if, and God forbid, any injuries were to occur, someone needs to slot in to make a change? Yeah, good question. I think it's a little bit down to the Rick Bonus hunch, right? He's a bit of a go-by-gut coach, and I think it would be a little bit dependent on what type of player came out or what kind of very specific need that he was looking for to fill in the lineup. Um, you know, there's some players that he busts out, like Manolainen, I think, for 
you know, he believes in his forechecking ability or is his PK minute. So if it's him that comes out, well, you've got Jonsson Fialbi has done a lot of PK work, David Gustafson as well. I think that that's who I'd lean on over a Carson Kuhlman type in that situation. And I think that that's kind of it. Like, they're all kind of equitalented to me in that they're replacement level players, but they've also got a little bit of different skill sets. And I think it'll be about Rick Bonus's guts. The one thing I wonder about when it when it comes down to the to the gut move is when Cole Perfetti returns to full health, how soon will he use them? And, I, and I'm not 100% sure that Cole Perfetti gets inserted straight into the top six, um, you know, from having missed as much time. And I think that's going to be a storyline going forward. Yeah, I I personally would not expect him to be in the top six. I feel like Rick Bonus likes to ease his players in a lot more. Um, but also, it's like, where do you even find space for him, considering the third line has kind of become the second line? Um, I thought, I just wanted to say that, I thought tonight that that line, once again, the past few nights have just been praising the Lowry and uh, Nino combination. They've been fantastic. Uh, but tonight, I, you know, I'm growing more and more confident that they could be uh, a part of a key uh, a key part of the Jets uh, playoff run, potentially, um, considering the fact that, you know, tonight they did a great job shutting down uh, Nathan McKinnon and, uh, and you know, Miko Ranton and those guys. I think they were mostly matched up against them. Um, what have you liked about the the bottom six? And do you find that, you know, even if Cole Perfetti were to get healthy, as you said there, it's like, would he even be able to to crack? Like, do, would they even break that third line up? I mean, I feel like that's been the best line the Jets have had over the past however many games now, right? Yeah, you know what? I think that there's a question to that. And I don't know. Look, like, I don't know that Cole Perfetti would be eased in on the fourth line or even kept in the press box for a little while. But I'm just saying in the back of your mind, don't write that off as a possibility because of the top nine success since Bonus switched up those lines heading into the Detroit game. And that might sound absurd. Why not make a thing better if you can? But remember the emotional state of things coming out of the San Jose game into the new lineup and the amount of quality minutes he's gotten from all those guys. So if you're asking me for like what I like about the bottom six, it, it is that Niederreiter, Lowry, and Mason Appleton combination. I think they've outscored their opposition 6-1 as a trio since being put together. That's pretty incredible. But they're also rocking like plus 60% in terms of your shot attempts and expected goals and things like that. So no, they're not going to outscore everybody 6-1 and then another 6-1 forever. But they're doing it by protecting the important areas of the ice and getting to the important areas of the ice as well. And Winnipeg's bottom six offensively has been a ghost town at times. So for me, you have that. You can start to believe in them again. And, you know, if you're going against a team like, you know, I, I've sort of been thinking Vegas would be a nicer matchup for them. But if you're going against either team and you know that you're going to count on those guys as much as bonus will, it's nice to believe they'll actually score every once in a while. And that feels like a relatively new movement for that line. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, Noah, it's so funny. Um, Noah's a regular in our chat here and he often gives us the the postgame quotes and he's like, well, you won't need those tonight because you got Murad on. He'll have all of those. So he gave us a Craig Button one where um, Craig Button agrees that Vegas is probably a better matchup in that capacity. But uh, I think like you, you made a really good point about the bottom six and having an actual um, some point production and, and game sheet you know, noticeability on, from them, which is really nice. And that's something that's you don't want to screw up too much. But um, Nick in the chat mentions that he thinks that Morgan Barron might be the player that comes out if they bring Cole Perfetti back in. Uh, those of you who have been around here before know that I'm kind of pessimistic about Cole Perfetti in the sense that I don't think 
if he's healthy enough, I don't think it'll be for a game or two into the series. And I don't think they're going to throw him into game four, game five of an intense playoff series when they're likely maybe down a game or two and whatnot tonight. So I don't have a feeling that Cole Perfetti plays um, in the first round of playoffs. I really don't think it's going to happen. Um, but if he does, Murat, who do you think they're going to take out? I'm, I'm really curious. I mean, honestly, Liz, I, I would listen to that voice in your head on that one. Like, I, I don't think you're far off. If you if you look at the timing of his return, I don't think it's a guarantee. But if you ask me if and I absolutely I think that top nine is untouchable from uh, from Rick Bonus's perspective, then it's three people who Rick Bonus has used in highly specialized roles. I mean, there's a lot of people who say, OK, what does Sakumalainen do? Well, I mean, he can count on him to some degree in the forecheck. He's talked about his size in terms of breakouts. The thing that you really get out of Manalena is penalty killing minutes, and he's been genuinely good there. I don't think he's coming out of the lineup so Cole Perfetti can play seven minutes a night. Like, I don't think that that's what you're going to see. Kevin Stenland, well, he took minutes from Nikolai Ehlers. That's how important he is to his coach. He's the right-handed face-off man. He's, you know, on, he's taking face-offs on his strong side in other situations for other lines when they need something like that or when Rick Bonus deems that they do. And so by logic, it would become Morgan Barron because what he does is less irreplaceable. If you want to call those niche skills, those irreplaceable, but he's also been very good. Like he's made a lot out of a little in his last little while. I think his last few weeks have been really impactful from relatively low minutes. And that's what gives me pause about the idea that Perfetti is going to be be thrown right back in there. Rick Bonus has been so, you talk about quotes, right? Like he's been so patient in terms of, um, hey, it could be at least the timeline. It could be longer than that, all of that sort of stuff. And I think that's giving himself some wiggle room as well as giving Cole Perfetti some wiggle room in his recovery, um, saying that like, hey, this is not a not a surefire thing. And I think like I can and, already like see the hot takes boiling when when Perfetti is a healthy scratch for a game. And I, I'm not saying that's a guarantee, but I believe it's a very real possibility. I would have to agree with you as well. And I I I, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing, if especially if things are going well for the Jets. Uh, by the time that Cole Perfetti is coming back, like obviously, I think that he is one of the better players on the Jets and should be in in the lineup. But uh, you know, I I I do also believe in the whole "if it ain't broke, don't fix it" thing, and that's kind of how we look back at you know breaking up the uh, the Nemestikov Wheeler Ehlers line. Uh, I initially like there was no reason to break that up uh, as they were working, and then finally, you know, things don't go well. We go back to that. Um, but anyways, I digress. Uh, I'm glad that you mentioned. Um, that, you know, potential playoff matchup, you know, which which would be better. Uh, and, you know, tonight we're sitting here waiting to see who it is, whether it's the Oilers, uh, who look like they are going to win their game tonight, or the Golden Knights, who basically will secure that top spot if they do get a single point against, uh, is it the Kraken they're playing tonight, I believe, right? Um, so I'm just curious, and I'd love for you to expand a little bit, what you think, uh, you know, of Vegas's game that maybe the Jets might fit a little bit better stylistically against them. What makes that potentially maybe a better matchup? And uh, and maybe, you know, if we do end up with a, an Oilers uh, series, how different might that look than, uh, than previously when we played them in the bubble and swept them? Yeah, I mean, for me, Vegas is the team that you want because first off, they're not 100% healthy either. Mark Stone his return, his exact date is not known, I don't think, right now. 
And that's a substantial player, um, you know, phenomenal Winnipeg product who's just become such a good two-way player. That's meaningful. The other aspect for the Golden Knights is their goaltending has been a question mark. It could be anybody. It could be Laurent Bessois. It could be Aiden Hill. Um, it could be Logan Thompson. I'm, I'm not sure what their solution is. I think Bessois is playing against the Kraken right now, which might indicate that he's somebody they believe in because I think that, you know, they they want to finish first in the Western Conference. Connor Hellebuck's better than all three of those goaltenders, and you like that. Um, um, and the other thing about Vegas that I like is more approachable. If you look at sort of the shot-based metrics for the last, you know, 25 games or even on the season, Winnipeg is more in line with Vegas than they are with Edmonton. Regulation wins, depending on what happens tonight, Vegas will either be just one ahead of Winnipeg or two. That's very much within the range where Edmonton's a little bit further ahead than that. So if you take Winnipeg's overtime experience out, throw it out, say whatever, three on three doesn't exist. They're actually a lot closer to, to Vegas in terms of that. The shot metrics, there are you know some in which Winnipeg's actually better than Vegas. There's a flow of play aspect to it where the Golden Knights aren't necessarily blowing teams out of the water. They don't even mind giving up zone time in Vegas because they think that they can keep shots to the outside, and they do, but their goalies aren't good enough to, to really make hay with that consistently um of course those are flaws of a very good team right i'm not trying to say that they're bad i think winnipeg would be the underdog but edmonton is a bit of a wagon right now they're a problem and their issues have always been their depth okay dry and mcdavid are going to take over games you can't stop that even if you're the 2021 jets who swept them and held them relatively off the offensive score sheet I mean, you were bleeding scoring chances every time those guys were on the ice. It was just that Connor Hellebuck was Connor Hellebuck. The problem, if you're trying to compare this series to that one, game one, Dave Tippett runs McDavid and Dreisaitl together. Um, and they are absolutely, in my mind, again, Winnipeg wins, but unstoppable. Flow of play, Winnipeg, a little lucky that they kept them you know, as much off the score sheet as they did. Tippett then panicked. Game two, he split those two guys up. And if you remember the roster back in that day, Edmonton did not have Zach Hyman, did not have Evander Kane, did not have Ryan Nugent Hopkins, wasn't scoring 100 points. There was a lot missing from that group. And when he diluted them, Winnipeg actually started to take over and take over and take over. That's not available right now. The, the Oilers are too deep up front and have too many options for them to accidentally turn one of those lines into a ghost town. Um, combine that with Nugent Hopkins' uh, success this season, add Matias Ekholm to a defense that badly needed somebody exactly like Matias Ekholm on defense. And the only obvious hole for me with Edmonton is in, in goal, where for some reason they don't play Stuart Skinner all of the time. I think he's their game one goalie, though. I was talking to Daniel Nugent Bowman about that in Edmonton today. I think they're going with Skinner. He is the better of the two goalies. But again, he's not somebody I hold up uh, to Connor Hellebuck. So that would be the one edge you could presumably give the the Jets against the Oilers. Yeah, I think I think it also is uh, interesting. To, if, looking back at that series, I think the most mind blowing stat from the uh, from the Oilers Jets series was the fact that Connor McDavid did not draw a single penalty. And since then, I feel like there's been a bit of a correction. I think that uh, the league heard everyone talking about that. Uh, and at least last few playoff runs since then, it seems like he has been uh, at least looked at, looked after a little bit better by the officials. Uh, but regardless, I, you know, 
even if we we wouldn't take any a single penalty against them, I would be very very scared of that team. Uh, they definitely aren't who I would be wanting to face uh, this year. That's for sure. Um, and if you are playing them, though, that's why you keep Sacramento Lightning in the lineup. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I uh, right off. I uh, I was listening the other day to the uh, the PDO cast where you were on there speaking uh, about uh, you know Rick Bonus and the century and and his propensity to uh, to use players in very niche uh, niche specific roles. Uh, And I think the 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 phrase that you used was missing uh, the trees for the forest, or is it? Did I say that wrong? The other way around? I don't know. Regardless, anyways, uh, but just talking about how the fact that Rick Bonus uh, likes to use players in very specific ways, um, I'm just curious if you could maybe speak on that a little bit more here uh, and see if that maybe you know in in a playoff series does that usually tend to favor? Is that better in a playoff series to have guys that you use in specific ways, um, or do you think that that might be overthinking it a little bit? I'm just curious with the difference between that between playoffs and and regular season traditional games, you know. Yeah, um, I, I go a few different ways with this. For me, like, you know, when we're looking publicly from the outside in and we're looking at things like, you know, points per minute, shot metrics, those sorts of things, there we get kind of the aggregate data of those things. Like, we get all of the shifts added together, which makes sense if you're trying to use math to project things. But if you're looking at a tiny, discrete moment on the ice – Some shifts look different than others. And in a small sample, some of those can mean a little bit more. So philosophically, I like the idea of having players who can fill a specific role at a specific time. For example, um, you know, the Eric Carlson Norris trophy debate. I'll use that as an example that hopefully makes whatever word jumbo I just said make a little more sense. I have all day for Eric Carlson as a Norris Trophy winner because he created so much more than he gave up. I have no issues with that. Not 100% sure he's number one on my ballot, but solid odds because I believe that creating more than what you give up matters. But if you have a D zone draw at the end of the, you know, at the end of a game and you believe that he can defend a little bit, there are players who you trust more. And in that exact 20 second increment, you don't care that over the aggregate, he's going to create more than he gives up. You care about the one battle, the box out, the clear. And maybe he's the guy you believe in to do that. Maybe it's somebody else. So there are situations where I think using the quote-unquote worse player because he can do a particular thing matters. Um, and so I have a little bit of time for that. But I think that sometimes Winnipeg gets carried away. And so some of the examples that Winnipeg has used um, you know, you you saw Cole Perfetti when he was healthy. He'd come off the bench, um, or sorry, he'd be stable to the bench. He'd come off the ice towards the end of games when Winnipeg was protecting a lead. Nikolai Ehlers, same thing happened to that to him on that front. And Rick Bonus's explanation to me when I asked was that there's a very specific breakout play where we're rimming the puck around the wall. Winger's going to pick it up on the boards. And we know the offensive defenseman on the other team is going to be pinching down those boards. So we want somebody who's bigger and stronger to eat that check and make that clearance. Um, so that means Kevin Stenlin, Sacramento Lane, et cetera. Players like that, Mason Appleton at times took minutes from, from those guys. He also, um, it was also a little bit about handedness. Ehlers was a victim of that more when he was a left shooter playing on the right side. Cole Perfetti was a left shooter playing on the right side. And I get that there's a certain aspect when there's a, you know, there's 
the physicality of a player bearing down on that winger, um, handedness, I think, is going to make it a little bit easier to pick up that puck. But it is so unbelievably specific. And it wasn't for like one play or one breakout or one what have you, nor was it really data supported because you have Kyle Connor, who's not really winning his fair share of battles on the other side of uh, other side of the ice. So it was this kind of thing that seemed to make sense in theory. And I have more time for it than most data informed people that like that. Maybe there was a reason why this made sense from a coaching perspective. But I think it misses the forest for the trees, because if there are a long sequence of shifts, well, you want a guy who. You know, a shift is not just that one board play. It's everything else that happens. It's not just one face-off. It's everything that happens after it. And a guy like Nikolai Ehlers is demonstrably good at moving the puck from one end of the ice to the other, even if somebody else has to chip it and he's chasing it or whatever. So it's not a nice thing. And so I think that sometimes there were hunches on the coach's part that only served to take minutes away from really good players who could do really good things, especially when it was Winnipeg needing goals. And you had Kevin Stenlin taking minutes away from a guy who was a clear goal scorer. So um, sometimes I think there's a bit too much of it, but I'm also trying to convey that I have some room for a little bit of it. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, And it sort of bridges different opinions that a lot of people have with a more sensical version than, you know, the polar opposites, which I think is something that you always do so well. But uh, we we only have Murat for a short period of time here. So I'll kind of wrap up with just one final question for you here, and then we'll let you go on to finish up your your sum of the 82 games that were probably one of the more chaotic seasons that you've watched from this team in quite some time. Um, but just looking ahead, obviously, uh, we talked a little bit about the matchups um, that exist potentially. I believe the first period is over of the Seattle Vegas game. It's tied. So Anything could happen. It's a coin flip at this point. But um, as far as, you know, outside of the opponents, obviously that does have a huge um, say in kind of how things work. But what should Jets fans be looking for and really hoping for from their team um, and certain things that you may have noticed in the last little bit, trends that you want to see continue or maybe some red flags that have popped up that you really want to make sure that they can combat and and make sure that they're not seeing in in games that matter so much? I mean, yeah, I think I think they they found the lines that work for them so another thing i'd say i haven't said anything yet the 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 thing that i have come to characterize these jets this particular group of jets for is that there are times when adversity hits in the middle of a game in like game 55 or 60 or whatever else it is and they just don't handle it well you know the the the, the cheat for offense comes out Um, And that can be in a game where they've given up an early goal and there's just a bad bounce or in a game where they've accidentally scored three highlight reel goals where they're ripping up the seams and all of a sudden now the next three on one involves six passes and no shot. You see that from this group. And I think that Winnipeg turning that narrative a little bit on its head in the last six games or so and winning out, I don't count today. I was about to say winning out like they did. I mean, um, I think that it was important to see that when their backs are up against the wall, there is a better version of this team available. And, you know, Mark Shifley is a guy I talk about a lot in that particular regard. And I think he gets criticism, not because he's not a great player. He is, he's a great player, but because there's a sense that he has a little bit more that he can give at certain times. And I think that down the stretch in those last few games, you saw him give it. And I think that that's an encouraging sign. I think Pierre-Luc Dubois is a big part of that too, because Having Pierre-Luc Dubois playing center, I'm, and even when he's not technically taking the draw, he's the one who's playing 
that F1 role down low um, and helping out the D. Well, you saw Winnipeg move with with confidence in Dubois to take that that down low battle. Winnipeg's breakout changed and leaned into a safer version of Kyle Connor and Mark Scheifele flying the zone where both of them go. And Winnipeg's adding stretch passes to its game with consistency and success that it hasn't seen in a little while. I think that's important and only works if Dubois is there to clean some things up and help make make it safe. Because if he doesn't, then either it's just to give away in a counterattack and you don't have wingers in the zone. Um, anyway, so that's I think that that trio is important that they're doing things the way that they are. Um, I think Nemesnikov and Niederreiter have been just phenomenal ads. And um, Nemesnikov seems to be the Ehlers whisperer at this point um, in that he seems to be able to like Blake Wheeler talked about him playing a two-man game, a little give, go, all that sort of stuff. But he also reads off of Ehlers very well. And it almost bridges the gap between two different playing styles for me. I think that that's a nice combination. One thing I'd like to see is Ehlers defer to Wheeler less. You just run a count on two-on-ones that those guys have. Ehlers is passing almost all the time. I want Ehlers to rip it, but that's just a personal preference, believing in his shot. Um, and I guess let's, like this, this could be a monologue, but it's really just more of the same. They found it. I genuinely believe that they found it. I didn't think that they were very good, even when they were out metricing teams. And, you know, it felt to me like all the shots were coming from distance. Teams were getting blocks, um, you know, and there were great saves and there were bounces and all that stuff, too. But I genuinely believe they found something close to the best version of their game against admittedly weaker opponents down the stretch. And um, it was just in time to give a blueprint for the playoffs that you can actually believe in. The last thing I'll say is it reminds me. This is maybe uninspiring, but it reminds me of 2019 when the Jets were horrid down the stretch. We remember <laughs> the injuries. We remember the metrics. They were among the league's worst teams. They weren't among the league's very worst teams metrics-wise, but they were pretty bad at stretches down towards the end of the season. And even though history remembers a six-game loss, and even though game six was brutal, it really was, I hold that history is unkind to those first five games and a reasonably good version of the Jets showed up more improved than what had happened before. And that's what's so friggin' aggravating about the group is that it often seems like they have a little bit more, a little higher level to get to. And the question is, can they get there and stay there? I have a little bit more optimism for these guys than the ones that came before them. And and that's my final thought. Wow. I love it. Incredible. Well said. (laughs) Uh, Always good, well-spoken for Verat. Um, I won't flatter him too much here because, you know, we've taken enough time from his night already. But um, for those of you who are here, I'm sure you're familiar with Marat's work at The Athletic, on Twitter, always able to condense things into 240 characters, unlike anyone in Winnipeg that I can <laughs> see. We all have so many mumbo-jumbo thoughts about this team. And I'm like, I don't even know what to say, Marat three sentences says it i'm like yeah that that's exactly what i was trying to say for you know 20 minutes when i was yelling about something it's always very kind very respectful and always very right so thank you so much Marat, for joining us uh enjoy your trip to either vegas or edmonton i hope for everyone's sake that you're on your way down to uh to nevada i think that would be a super fun trip for you and you know that's my only reason is just because i want you to have a good time not because i care about the opponents or anything like that but uh thank you so, so much uh Thanks for joining again. us this evening. Uh, it was a great time and can't wait to see the work that you put out uh, during this, the playoff stretch and the, the race to the Stanley Cup final. So we'll see. <laughs> Thank you both so very much. It yeah. was great. I'm going to dip. Sounds Bye. good.
Take care. Thanks again. Um, we are going to be continuing. Ooh, I gotta gotta switch this over. Uh oh. <laughs> Let's see. Do oh boy. Uh, okay. Let's go off. I I need a minute. <laughs> am I cropped? Am I not cropped? Okay. No, well, it's because it's because I... of this, the the video thing. So. All right. Well, we are not tech experts by any means, so I'll chat for a minute while Brady gets this sorted out. Um, But Brady and I are going to stick around for a little bit. Uh, For those of you who are here right now, we also, before we get into some of the other things we wanted to discuss, just wanted to thank everyone who's been here um, for a lot of the game over stretches. We know your names in the chat. We see a lot of people coming in regularly and supporting us on Twitter, supporting us all the way through. Um, It's been an awesome run, both Brady and I. We're not expecting um, to get a role like this. And we were a little bit nervous coming into this and, and doing streams after every single game and being able to connect with so many people. It was a little bit of a daunting task, but it has been an absolutely phenomenal season. Of course, it's not over yet, but um, we just wanted to thank you so much for being here and for all the support. None of this is possible without any of you guys coming in and supporting us. Um which is super awesome and we really appreciate it. And uh, we also wanted to just thank our SDPN team that we love so much. Um, Adam, Steve, and Jesse are obviously amazing. And for those of you who don't listen to the SGP, you should. They're hilarious and they're awesome. And also to Andrew, who is our game over manager, who has been the best support. And it's just been super fun to get to do this. And of course, we're going to be here for the rest of the playoffs and into next season as well. But we really just wanted to thank you all so much for being here on our last um regular season stream. So Brady, anything you want to add on to that before we keep chatting? Uh, no, thank you again. Thank you guys, everyone. We'll, we'll have a, a longer heartfelt one. Once the jets eventually win cross the fingers, 16 wins. Win. Baby. 16 <laughs> wins. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's been just a phenomenal year. It's been such a roller coaster. Uh, and yeah. Thank you all. It's, it's been so much fun. We're going to, you know, we're going to keep chatting a little bit here. I think, uh, for totally. a bit, J- uh, I know Liz has a game for me at some point, uh, a little quiz about this season, so that'll be fun. But uh, but yeah, thank you for tap dancing for me. I, I really appreciate it. Now we're good. Absolutely, now, wasn't so. planning on doing the monologue, but I was feeling <laughs> good. Um, you know, I was like, it seems like the thing to do before we keep chatting. So, um, I think Marat, like obviously, I wasn't even, I wasn't lying. I love that man, and we all love that man, and he is so well spoken with everything that he says about all this stuff, much more than than Brady and I are with our jumbled thoughts of at all times. But uh, I think he covered some really good bases about the kinds of matchups that we could possibly see, and obviously tonight is going to decide everything within the Western Conference for for the Jets, at least as far as they're concerned. Um, but Brady, I just want to talk a little bit about um, kind of, I guess it's really open-ended question. It's similar to what I asked Marat, but what version of the Jets are you looking to see? You know, we've had some people in the chat. Um, Kishore says it's time for the PLD who hounded Matthews to come out against Eichel, you know, things like that. What kinds of, like, maybe you want to, you know, talk Pionk versus McDavid or maybe Logan Stanley scoring two goals on Carey Price, you know, what? types of versions of players are you really hoping to see at the top of their game and I don't know the more we talk about this type of stuff the more like fired up I get when I genuinely believe that this Jets team has a chance I think Murad got to my head a little bit um and he was talking about how he believes in this team and I was like oh my gosh I believe in this team this team is good um and you know um what what versions of these teams do you think we need to see in order to actually see some success and, and go for a run here yeah I I think it comes down to a lot of things but I think it comes down to effort like that's that has been the constant thing for the winnipeg jets this entire season the reason why us fans got so up in arms in january february most of march uh is is just this team has not been giving it their all they are they are so much better than the product that they've been putting on the ice and 
top line media, Nick, uh, our, our boy, hits it, hits the nail right on the head. Mark Shifley, 2018, period. And that's why, you know, th- there there is reason for optimism. I mean, you look at, again, as Murat said, the past few games coming into, uh, you know, coming into the end of the season here, the Jets kind of figured it out. They found the blueprint again. They found the bonus br- blueprint, and they started putting it back together. And seeing the effort from Shifley, seeing you know, PLD coming back from injury and being an absolute monster, um, you know, seeing Pionk even, Pionk's had a pretty good return to form over the past, like, few weeks, so, like, you know, 20, we need, we need 2020 Pionk, we need 2018 uh, Mark Shifley, and, uh, and yeah, like, I'm, I am very excited because this team definitely can do more than we think. With Connor Hellebuck in net, anything is possible. With guys, like PLD, who we haven't even scratched the surface on what he can do, uh, like as a playoff player, like that is what he was born to do. Um, so genuinely, genuinely, <laughs> I I am so much more. Uh, I'm so excited, and I'm so uh, like. I'm 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 more optimistic than I thought I would be at this point. Uh, totally. Like I've spent the entire season shitting on this team, uh, but for good reason though, because uh, constantly, constantly they just would not give us what we needed. But you know, looking at like playoffs are just a different animal. You never you never really know what can happen. Um, and all it really matters is we just see the best that these guys can put out there. Because uh, this is kind of a last hurrah for these guys. Like, this is kind of potentially like uh, the without having multiple championships, the last dance for this this core. Because this offseason, some moves are likely coming. We might lose Shifley, or we might trade away Shifley. We might lose Dubois. And many things could happen this offseason. So I just want to see. One final ride with Mark Shifley, Pierre-Luc Dubois, Kyle Connor, Blake Wheeler, Nick Ehlers, all of these guys playing their hearts out. And, you know, I, I don't have any sort of, you know, vision to see this team looking like, you know, 2018, which we definitely both at the same time. I thought he was going to say I thought he was going to say 2018. I was going to go, ah, that's, that's a lot. That's a lot to say. Um but I don't know. And and even looking at this team now with the depth that we've acquired, like Vlad Nemestikov has been such, such a godsend. Nino Niederreiter. Oh my God. I cannot stop singing his praises. Uh, and that's a, again, another guy who's just going to turn like a playoff player. Um, I still remember him scoring the, the game seven goal on the wild against the Colorado avalanche so many years ago. I don't know why this is ingrained in my memory. I just have it. That is uh, random, but he is a playoff player. Um, and then as Kishore is saying, my under his sorry, Kishore's under the radar pick Morgan Barron as a breakout playoff player. Uh secondary scoring is going to be necessary against Vegas. Uh I love that. I absolutely love that. And you look back at the, you know, the the caps when they had their run, the Devontae Smith Pellies of the world. You need that that secondary scoring. And the Jets have uh, a slew of of third and fourth line guys that, you know, can occasionally do something. Can occasionally do something. Um, and things have looked better as of, as of late. Uh, I'll turn the question on its head. Liz, is there anything that I didn't say there? I kind of just rambled on about every little thing. Uh, is there anything specifically you're, you know, looking forward to, uh, you know, looking for, for the Jets to, in order for them to succeed here? Well, you just made me sad. Like, I just realized, like, 
Mark Shifley has been part of every single Winnipeg Jets team that we've had since I was 10 years old. Like, I don't know what, like, and I don't even like Mark Shifley that much, but I just, the idea of this being, like, one last dance is, like, really, like, like, let's get, let's get Michael Jordan up in here. Like, it's really the last run for these guys, and that's, so they need to be all in it. I think they have a couple players who, when they're good, are elite, and I am, I am a person who likes to combat the um, everything can change in the playoffs narrative a little bit because it is true, but I find that sometimes people are too quick to throw out the regular season when it comes to the playoffs. Like trends are still a real thing and yeah, a lot can change, but players don't just like, not every player is Justin Williams, right? Like you don't just sleep through the regular season and then come alive in the playoffs. Like there's some trend and the players who do come alive in the playoffs are play- are players that you're expecting to see do that. It's not like they're random. Like, so I feel like people put too much scrutiny on teams like Toronto who just like crap the bed. Right. And it's like, not every team is like that. A lot of the teams that succeed succeed based on positive factors that were positive throughout the course of the year. So I think this Winnipeg Jets team is, is going upwards at the right time. And I do think, like you said, they have a couple of playoff performer type players. Um, and I think Kishore definitely nailed it as always with um, the secondary scoring piece against Vegas because Adam Lowry and that line being matched against a top line is huge if they can manage it. But to me, I'm a little bit more scared of Vegas's depth than I am of Edmonton's. Edmonton does have some good depth, but um, obviously if you can shut down the top line, that's always huge. But if the other team has some great secondary scoring that you can't match, that's not great. Um, so I think that we have the internal capabilities to do that. So I think the secondary scoring Morgan Barron coming alive at the right time, I think will be fantastic. Kevin Stenland, maybe, um, you know, activating a little bit of that offensive touch. I think he has somewhere that we haven't seen in a little bit and, you know, little things like that. And, and a lot of the players turning in the right direction and yeah, fully on board with the Pierre-Luc Dubois playoff machine coming to life. Because like you said, this is the kind of hockey that he's made for drawing penalties, um, you know, getting players frustrated at the right time, using his body properly to to wear down some players and, um, you know, not necessarily be matched against the top line, you know, depending on how they match. If they have last change, he could be playing against some team's third lines, right? If he's on the second line or, or top line, depending on how they match, like there, there's some potential there. So I also went on a little bit of a ramble here, but that's uh, that's what I want to see from this team. And uh, Maya also said in the chat, Hellebuck on top of his game. Um, All of these things are huge question marks, but that's one that's not. And that player being at the very top and being as elite as he can, like that's going to be where it is for me. It's Connor Hellebuck is going to win this team a game or two could win them a series, depending on how things go with their, with their adversaries. So um, does that about cover it? Do you think for you too? Yeah, I think so. Um, Do you want to talk at all about the season or do you want to move on to, uh, to your quiz there? Well, it's not really a quiz or just, um, five little questions i have for you and they kind of reflect on the season so we can talk a little bit about some stuff um so let's just talk a little bit um so first question i have for you um so 82 games this year um first game of the year was against the new york rangers it was a 4-2 win who scored the winnipeg jets first goal of the year hint this person had a multi-goal game in that new york rangers game i was at this game were you really? And, yeah, I was. Um, here's the thing. I rem- Okay, so I remember after the game going to uh, 
wherever with a, with my dad for a drink and with his buddies and and they were plastered. We were all having fun, and I just remember my dad going, "Connor Shifley, we or Connor Shifley Ehlers, we got the best top line in the league." So I want to say it's one of those three guys, but for some reason my brain is telling me Morgan Barron, but maybe that's just because. Uh, we've talked about him so much, and also it's the Rangers that were. I I want to say that was that was Mark Shifley. I want to say Mark Shifley started off this season with a a banger two goal game. Uh, am I correct? You are correct. Yes. Do you not remember every single person on Twitter were like Mark Shifley is so back. He is we were so back. Out. We were so <laughs> excited. So Mark Shifley had a two goal game, and then he was pretty good for a while. Then he fell off for a little bit. But King still has 40, 40, 40 goals. Sorry, who? Mark Shifley? Got, 42. 42. Yeah, so you know what? I think we were all making jokes that he was going to score 60 or whatever this year, but 40 goals is, is not bad. I'll take that from him. So um, that's question number one for, for you. Um, here's question number two. Um, how many points does Dylan DeMello have this season? That's one player that's been unbelievable this season to me. I'll give you some moments to think while I want to talk a little bit about this. And for those of you who are in the chat... Feel free to play along. Um, if you Google I'll, things, I'll, you I'll suck close, and I I'll hate you. I'll close out the chat so I can't see anyone answering. Okay. Yeah, sure. So um, go ahead. But Dylan DeMello just to me has had such an elite year. I think um, him and Josh Morrissey are such a great pairing and we can talk so much about, um, you know, Josh Morrissey and everything that's happened with him this season. Um, but Dylan DeMello is the type of player that's able to kind of be versatile depending on who he needs to be at any given time. And he's been exactly who he needs to be for Josh Morrissey. And it's part of the reason that this Jets team has had success when they have. Um, And Dylan DeMello has been consistent and he's hit some career numbers this year, which is super nice. And I don't care about defensive points all that much, um, though they are something that increase on this team because of how much they freaking shoot from the point. Um, But I'm happy for him in that sense. Not that it impacts my overall assessment that much, but I'm happy for him. Uh, What's what's my the guess here so my aunt my my guess is predicated on i know he had six goals five or six goals. i think he had six goals five with an asterisk i think it is six goals now um because of that scoring play that changed with the kyle connor goal uh, right. a couple games ago there i think it it's six goals it's okay so six goals and i'm gonna say he had about like 25 assists so i'm gonna go with like 31 points is my guess he had 27 points um so a little bit on the over there um nick in the chat says 33 points um <laughs> And Kishore says 22. Um, so, yeah, 27 points, which um, from a first pairing defenseman is nothing to write home about. But from this first pairing defenseman, good job, King. He 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 made a note specifically. And we, I'm sure we've you've heard it all talked about on the broadcast. But he wanted to make a note of being a much a more offensive player this year, um, which it worked out. I mean, it's he is still a, a great defensive defenseman, but he is so good with his first passes. Uh, so I'm not surprised to see him getting career numbers this year, uh, especially with the defenseman becoming more and more active this year, being a little bit more utilized in the offensive zone. Uh, but yeah, shout out Dylan DeMello. We love him. King, we're going to miss him whenever it is that he's gone. Shut up. Jesus, why are you making this so much harder than it needs to be? <laughs> Okay, question number three. These aren't the most exhilarating questions in the world, but they are just kind of reflections on the year. How much is Vlad Nemesikov's cap hit? On to the Jets? Yeah. Um oh or just in general. Just in general. I believe the Jets didn't they take on the full thing? No, because I think I the 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 lightning I think retained when he they he went to San Jose, I wanna say. I I think he's making like four point seven total. But okay. I think we're only paying him like two point 
2.4 or something like that. 2.3. So I, I believe his cap hit is two and a half. Um, so maybe that's just <laughs> what the Jets are taking on then. Cap friendly girl, where are you at? Um, but yeah, that's a player that um obviously came in partway through the season, has been a stealthy pickup. Um as good as these players have been, I still think this team would have been better if they had brought in a little bit more. Um, I would never ever ask for them to have not traded for Niederreiter or Nemesikov because of how fantastic they've been. But um, I still would have taken a little bit more from Kevin Shoveldayoff, and I still don't. I don't know. I still have questions about that deadline and and a lot of different things. But man, oh man, have those pickups been fantastic? Yeah, but I also I'm I am glad that we didn't really mortgage our future, especially with what's likely to come very soon. Um, but but I also would have loved the to bearer have... of the worst news, man. I'm sorry. You... I'm just re- I'm just being honest. I'm just being realistic here. I can't I know not I... talk about the fact that you know, we it, it's important. It's important to recognize the importance of this moment uh, of this season. Um, and so I'm sorry if it makes you sad. It makes me sad also because but Do you know what doesn't make me sad is Nick in the chat saying hot take Jets resigned to Mello. Honestly, I wouldn't be overly I... surprised. Mm, I would love that. I would love that so, 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 so much, um, especially over like any of the other defensemen that need to be resigned. Resigned. Uh, I'm okay with Schmidt going as much as I love him as a person. I'm okay with Schmidt going. I'm okay with Dylan going. Whoever we have, a Pion yeah. forever and ever. Amen. But uh, anyways, continue on. And. And Nick says, perfect bet. Agreed. You always need to have a little bit of age in your lineup. Like, not, well, not always, but, like, you can't have an entire team of 21-year-olds running around. Like, that's not how that works. Um, So having him as the noted vet on the decor would be awesome for me because then you know that your mandatory vet is actually good at hockey and not just there for the sake of being old because it seems like some teams like to have those guys that they have. Like, oh, he's he was good. It's like, okay, cool. He isn't anymore, but Dylan Demel still is good, and Nick and says that he's a great pairing with the with uh, Sandberg, and I agree. So and that yeah, as you say, then you have a pairing for uh, Morrissey, Sandberg, or Hanola. Any of those guys, uh, he can play with any of them. Uh, which <laughs> yeah. some, someday will th- that will be our left side someday, uh, <laughs> eventually next season we'll perpetually say next oh, season. Uh, and to be clear, it is two point five. You you are correct. Uh, but I also was correct in the fact that uh, the Lightning did retain uh, one point two five of the of Nemestikov's, uh salary, so we only actually pay him one point two five. So that's an even better deal. But uh, I also would, that's funny. another guy who I would not be surprised if the Jets resign. Anyway. Yeah, no, I could see that too. Okay, I got two more questions for you. How many games has Logan Stanley played this year? Why? Why do? Why are you going to make me answer this? Okay, let's think about this. So he was out. He had two decently long injuries, and after that, never really got back into a game except for after having a trade request, and they've played him for some reason. I'm going to oh, go gosh. with, like, it's an 82-game season. I want to say he was out of inj- with injury for probably 40 of those games. Uh, and then probably didn't get into, he probably only got into like a court. I would say like he played like 14 games is my guess. He played 18 games. Played 18. That was more than I thought he did. I, yeah. I guess it's so hard. Like the NHL season is so long, Um, you know, with the all-star break and the Christmas break and, and, you know, an 82 game season and two or three game days off or whatever you want to say. Um, I forgot that at the beginning of the season, he and Samberg were flipping quite often or more so than I thought, Um, which is again, one player that I am so happy to be wrong about. Um, I was a little bit worried. Halo had a bad camp, so it was like, whatever. Um, But I was still on the train of 
Dylan Sandberg has a lower ceiling than Billy Hanala does. So make sure you play Hanala while you have an older decor that he can rely on a little bit. But God, that player has been so good this year. And I'm so happy to have been wrong about him. He's been Betty, Betty, cheapers, creepers, uh, better than I had anticipated. And I love Dylan Sandberg with my whole heart. So he's a little bit more rounded out. That's that's for sure. He doesn't Definitely. have as high of a ceiling, but uh, unless you're going to play Hanola like second pair minutes, which like I don't think that he's earned yet like he has not forced second hand minutes or second line minutes second pair minutes Blech. um so i i i definitely am like yeah play play sandberg play sandberg right now he's definitely the better of the two at the moment especially for the the place that they need him especially considering the pk uh this that and the other thing he's the better of the two at the moment we'll see in the future we'll see in a couple years who is the better defenseman if philly ever even breaks into the nhl but uh, we'll be we'll be talking about this uh, in three seasons from now on Game Over <laughs> if we are you know kept on it. Um, if the, if the, if we're still doing this, then I'm sure we'll be yelling about Billy Hinola, just even if he's on another team. <laughs> of course, it's Nick Patan scored tonight. Just so you know. Wow. Um, <laughs> <laughs> for who? Uh, Vancouver. Who's he? Minnesota. Minis- oh yeah, he's with Minnesota. Of course. Of, um. Of- so I only have one question left, but I decided I want to add another one. This one isn't a trivia question. It's just, and I'll ask you, then answer it myself to give you time to think. Um. But I just want to know what everyone's um. You know, most surprising in a good way players have been this year. Um. Dylan Sandberg was the one who motivated this question. Um. Player you've been most disappointed in this season, and then who your all star was. So, um. Pleasantly surprised. Disappointed. All-star. So for pleasantly surprised, I'm going to go off the board here with Brendan Dillon. Um, I wasn't the hugest Brendan Dillon fan last year. Um, and I think with the season that Neil Pianca has been having in a lot of different areas and them having played together a lot, I've liked Brendan Dillon this season more than I liked him last year. And in spite of playing with a partner and not a pairing that's struggled at times, I really liked what I've seen from him this year as a general whole. So he's definitely my most surprising player this year because he's not a player that I expected to have grow on me. Um, obviously, I heard some good things about him as a person with supporting some of the younger defensemen, which made me like him a little bit too. Um, but yeah, that that's my most surprising player. Um, and then for disappointed, I want to go Neil Pionk. That's obviously on a lot of people's list, a uh, player that they wish they would have seen more from. Um, and I'm also going to go with David Gustafson, actually. Um, that's a player that I'm so high on, who I adore. And I just wish, you know, opportunity slash results um, just never really found a way to meet in the middle. Um, and I just wish I would have been able to see more from that player, more from him, more from his usage, things like that. So, um, that's one of my bigger disappointments, him and Neil Pionk. And then my all-star this year is Nikolai Ehlers. Um, that's a player, obviously, who didn't play an entire season. Um, but he's been elite um, ever since he returned from his injury, uh, an injury that was obviously scary for a lot of people because you never know what a player is going to be like when they return from an injury of the type. Um, but he's been super fantastic, and he's just been a really, really important piece of this team, and he makes every line he plays on better. So, um, yeah, those are those are my people's. Oh. Okay, so uh, I'll I'll start here, and I want to say that there are two two of these three ones I feel like are very obvious, and you left you, you left those two to me. If it's I gonna th- be Josh Morrissey, obviously that's a pleasant surprise, but like and since that's that's what the chat's he, saying too, so I guess maybe I, okay, I should. Like, listen, yeah, okay, here, here's the thing: okay. do you do you not remember us sending Jay Fresh charts to each other, <laughs> being like, "Who is this man? 
I guess I guess Josh yeah. Morrissey was just Jacob Truba uh, and his friend, you know, like <laughs> that we we were sitting. I remember I remember having conversations with you. I remember having conversations with so many Jets fans about uh, about like just trading Morrissey almost as like a cap dump. Like, yeah, like that was <laughs> that like I'm 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 sorry. I know that he's the obvious one, but the man had what, 75 points this year? Like. I, I I don't even know. Look, I want to say he even has more than that. Is your last know. question question revolving around points or anything like that? It is not. No. Okay. Uh, I want to I want to look up the points here because you keep talking, I'll find it. Um. Okay. Yeah. So J- Josh Morrissey, like this man, completely changed, uh, the defense the defensive outlook of this team. Uh, the fact that we all along had a a shifty D man, a skillful D man who can make beautiful like. Uh, uh, what's the word? Like, um, spinorama moves and like deke out guys at, at the blue line and then walk in with a shot and take a clap. Like, just just remember, like we when Dustin Bufflin left, Neil Pionk was the guy on the power play. And like, don't get me wrong, that's where Neil Pionk sh- Neil Pionk should play on one of the power plays. Like that, if anything, that is where his skill set is uh, focused towards. But oh my God, Josh Morrissey. Wh- what did Palmer's Palmeries do to this man? Like, <laughs> I, I like genuinely like I, 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 I'm sorry that it is the obvious answer, but uh, 76 points, 16 goals, 60 assists. Like, that is insane. We are talking about him in the Norris conversation. He's going to be one of the nominees. I don't think he'll win it. It's kind of tough to beat a guy who gets 100 points as a defenseman the f- first time or like one of six defensemen of all time. But for most of the year, the Josh Norrissey conversation was a genuine, real, and still is a genuine and real movement that like people yeah. around the league will look at and still will go, you know, uh, I don't I don't know about Eric Carlson's defense. Uh, I'm going to give it to Josh Morrissey. So, and like, whatever. Anyways, no, not, not to dive into that, but no, but that's what okay, an incredible you know season. So good. I will move on. I'm sorry. I know I, I, I waxed no, poetically you're just for right. too long. Um, the disappointment, <laughs> I think, I think the obvious one would be, uh, would be Neil Pionk. Also, sorry, surprising. I also want to give a little, a little tip of the cap to, to David Riddick. We, we looked at this yeah. guy as, as, as a bum. Uh, he came in here and listen, not the not not the best backup in the league, but certainly uh, I think deserves to be a backup in this league. I thought he uh, in certain games was was great tonight. He was fine. Mostly that Rodriguez goal was kind of tough, but it is what it is. He's still fine. Um, I don't think they lost any games because of him. And that that was no. literally the fear when he came in. Right. Maybe, so that's maybe fair. one or two. But like if you look at his like his general like his his you know, general numbers, like he did pretty good. He's only got a, you know a point one more goals against average than Hellebuck does. Uh, he's a nine hundred one because that's a real stat. But. Yeah, I know. I'm just looking. It's it's just. I know. I know. I know. To me, anyways. Sorry. Moving on to my my disappointment. Uh, Neil Pionk makes a lot of sense, but uh, I think I'm gonna have to give it to Saku Menelainen. I'll be honest with you. Like this was a guy, and the only reason I'll say this is because coming into this year, we were like, who is this guy? And then this man had the training camp of his life. Of his life, and I was sitting here going like, "This guy's got a good shot." You know, he could he could be like a, a hard. I I basically viewed him almost as like what it, it, to a like a Walmart version of what Nino has kind of done on that third line, where he's a big body and can kind of drive the net and shoot, but also play you know decently well defensively. 
um man oh man he is he like i'll i'll give him his credit he is fantastic on the pk he is so so good he's one of the league best he's elite on the pk uh but as soon as it's it's 5v5 uh the 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 puck is like a grenade on a stick and the offense dies with him and it's very frustrating to see him in over uh guys like um Guys like uh, Axel Janssen Fialbi. Um, I also want to give a tip of the cap to Kevin Stenlin too. That's a guy who. Sorry, on going back to the surprising. I'm sorry, I I can't not. I I have too many guys I love on this team. And you're so obsessed with Kevin Stenlin for what? Like, I don't know. I just there's there's okay no 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 but like going but like, like think like going back to like this is a guy who did not make the team at the start of the year. Uh, would did not the have biggest the, the Golden Knights goal. Sorry. Yes, let's go. Let's go. Um, did not make the, you know, Stenland did not make the team initially. Um, and due to mostly his his foot speed, he just didn't have it. He had a surgery in the offseason, I believe. Um, but looking at him now, like, I think he is fit in as the rightful owner of that 4C spot. Again, it's 4C, so it doesn't really matter. But he's been great on the on the, uh, on the the PK. He, you know, despite whatever you think about the face-off stuff, he at least is very useful in bonuses' eyes. Um, probably uses him a little too much, but... Uh, I think it is important to have a guy that you can use in a lot of different situations. Um, so I do want to give a tip of the cap to him. Anyways, I don't have a lot to say about Saku. I've already bitched about him constantly on every show. So uh, it is what it is. Also, I would say Blake Wheeler had a bit of a fell off uh, a cliff once Cole Perfetti got hurt. Um, so I was a little bit disappointed with him. But also pleasantly surprised at the start of the season. And oh my god, moving on to my all-star. How are you going to sit there and not say Connor Hallibuck? How are you not going to say Connor Hellebuck? How, like, I'm sorry. I'm not like other girls and I'm not picking the obvious choices for my answers, Brady. That's why. This, like, this guy single hand has single-handedly won multiple games for the Jets. I, like, off the top of my head, the wild game the other night that clinched, you know, their their playoffs was, com- was he held them in that game completely. The Rangers game where they had 50 shots against, those are just top of mind, um, where, you know, despite the fact that uh, while the Jets were slumping, uh, in you know, in February and March, um, Connor Hellbuck was not playing fantastic, but he was still playing like an, a decent to good, like a good, excuse me, um, a good NHL goalie. Uh, and it was, it only seemed like he was playing bad was because he was getting no support in front of him. Like he never used to. Um, and, uh, and you know, it, it is what it is. He like, how many games did he play this season? He played, Let's see. Let's see. He played. Stenland's probably at 50 games. Okay. Connor Hellbuck played 64 oh, games. Sorry. I'm Con- not even Connor Hellbuck played 60. He started That's 64 stupid. games. Just think about that. Like, I, I, I'm I, not sure who the next. I, he That definitely has to be the highest amount of games started in the league this year. I Correct me if I'll I'm look wrong. It up. Keep talking. But what a phenomenal season again by him. He is the heart and soul of this team. Uh, in the sense of, or not the heart and soul, but he is, uh, he is the single most important player to this team. He is the MVP. He is my all-star. Uh, forever and ever, amen, uh, Connor Vesnabuck. Uh, he saves. He is fantastic. I love this man. I will be so sad to bring him back. To- I'll be so sad if we aren't able to re-sign him next year. And if we can't, we better make sure we move him and get something for him. List, cover your ears. I'm sorry. Uh, but he also is the most, as I said, the most important player to this franchise. If he isn't coming back, uh, that he, he is the single, he's the window. 
He's the window of this team. He is uh, the signal of we are rebuilding if he moves on. Um, and I again, going back to the whole this last dance thing, like I, these this team owes it to Connor Hellebuck for saving their asses for how many years now? Like dating back to what? 2019 i would say like was that four years ago uh he has been the single reason why the winnipeg jets have constantly been in the playoff talks uh has made playoffs in previous years uh, or even got close to it in the years they haven't uh he is the most important player on this team and will always be until he isn't on this team or until his legs break or something i don't know hope knock on wood uh but anyways i i love that man like he he deserves all the praise that he gets he is yeah. the best for sure um sorry i'm just like all over money puck right now lol james reimer's name is still in rainbow on here which is so funny um connor hellebuck does have the most games played um of any goalie this year at 64 uc Saros is 63 um and then as far as goals saved above expected per 60 connor hellebuck's rocking in the top five for for goalies up there but um you know one and two are lena Stalmark and jeremy swimmin who i didn't realize that allmark has like played less than 50 games yeah that to me do swimmin is want to give the visit to a goalie who's had less than 50 games but whatever um he's awesome anyways so that kind of brings us to the end of everything we wanted to talk about, except for my last question. Um, this one's just kind of a fun thing. One of my favorite parts to come up this year is the Winnipeg Jets implementing goal songs. Everyone knows I'm very passionate about goal songs. Brady, name five Winnipeg Jets goal songs. Name five. Hey Baby for Dubois, Sandstorm for Lowry, uh, Hypnotize for Wheeler, uh, Still Dre for Stanley, um, The Greatest Showman, which is is that Shifley's? I think it's yeah. Shifley's. Yeah, I was gonna say. I, it, I was, it's either Shifley or Connors. That's all I remember. It's they they both are the ones who are like we're gonna choose lame country songs. Uh, <laughs> the greatest showman is a, from a musical. It's Whatever. sung by Hugh Jackman I don't and Zac care. Efron. I don't care. I don't care. It's it's not it's lame in my opinion. If, unless I know all every single lyric. And of course, Mr. Brightside for Sam Gonye. Also, yeah, man, Sam Gonye, love that guy. Uh, one of the, one of the best forever nhler love him so much um but yeah do you have anything else Liz, or should we should we end off this marathon of a show yeah this is really long we didn't mean for it to go this long but um we will be here in the playoffs um there's lots to talk about we're gonna find some ways to make these shows lots of fun for those of you who are around in our old jet centric days you know how exciting these streams are after a playoff win um so we're really excited to talk about some of the stuff we'll get some guests on get some of you on uh it's gonna be super fun uh thank you all for being here um I got to say, I have a sick outfit lined up for these post-game streams. Um, I am going to be wearing it to the street parties. Haven't figured out yet how I'm going to stream and do these street parties at the same time. Brady might be showing up at your door because you live closer to downtown than I do. You know, we're going to figure this out. We're going to have a ton of fun in this stretch because, like you said, this is kind of the last dance of some of this core. Um, Do you have anything you want to add before we, we shut it down? not a whole lot once again thank you all for tuning in uh we really really appreciate you guys uh having you guys here is the reason we're able to keep doing this every night and uh working for sdpn fantastic uh employers uh i can't i I seriously am so grateful for this uh we'll we'll get i'm sure we'll have a more heartfelt long form thing uh later on when we when everything's done but uh if you are still here listening 
Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you all for tuning in. Uh, we will see you guys in the playoffs. Go Jets, go. It's time for the whiteout. We're going to be having lots of fun. We'll be here. Make sure you guys tune in. Follow me on Twitter, at NHL Chunky. Follow Liz on Twitter, at Liz Hood. Follow at SCPN Sports. And you know what? Stay safe. Enjoy the enjoy the whiteout. Have fun. And uh, but stay safe. Do it. Do it responsibly, of course. Uh, but that is it for here tonight, guys. Thank you all for tuning in. We will see you guys next time. Game over. Powered by Sports Interaction, Canada Sportsbook.